Ah, there you are, Teo. I thought I'd find you here, shoveling coal into the Pixel Vision train. That's enough to be going on with, I think. Who sent you here, Ben? Uh, no one sent me here. It's time to start the pod. Yes, we've checked that. You have? Put your knife with a fork and spoon and it looks quite innocuous. Perhaps you want to start the podcast for the same reason. That doesn't even make sense. It's not as silly as it seems. There have been one or two attempts. Attempts to start in a timely manner? You're damn right they have. Are you a poet? Well, I mean, I dabble, as you know. Do you know that I used to admire your poetry? Well, thank you very much. I shouldn't admire it now. I should find it absurdly personal. Don't you agree? Feelings, insights, affections. It's suddenly trivial now. Uh... You don't agree. You're wrong. The personal life is dead for us. Roguelike card games have killed it. I can see how you might hate me. Well, hate's a strong word, but if this is some sort of tenuous reference, you are really killing the vibe. Tenuous reference? You're kidding me. Haven't you seen Dr. Zhivago? Oh, Dr. Zhivago. Nah, I haven't seen it. Oh, now you're telling me. Well, do you think our audience will have? It's pretty niche. Of course they will. They're cultural connoisseurs, not a bunch of noobs. Oof, low blow. All right, all right. Carry on, then. <coughs> when you came in, you recognised me. How? Even with a face covered in coal. Easy to pick out your mug in a crowd. Has someone shown you photographs? Not recently. When? Well, ages ago. I keep them as an insurance policy. Were you there, or has someone told you this? Sure, they told me. They told me I'm not Teo, I'm Ben. And I'm not Ben, I'm Teo. Finally! And this is... Pixel Vision. Have you been rolling around in a bed of money since I last saw you? Um, I have not. Because of all the Patreon subs that are coming in. Oh my God. That is like, what? Yeah, just showering yourself in notes for all this cash. No, I haven't. I haven't. But it is lovely to see the Patreon getting a little bit of love. So thank you for that, mm. friends. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Anyway. All right, well... What do they pay us for? They pay us for our video games commentary. <laughs> Great quality content. Yeah, exactly. They do. And today we're talking about Monster Train. Yes, we are. Monster Train indeed. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you, I thought you were going to carry on. I kind of, I, I'm not, I'm not like sure what the, uh, uh, what, I mean, we have, we don't have a routine. It's pretty organic, but we've got into a sort of pattern of either I go straight into the monologue or we both sort of give our initial impressions and then I do the monologue. I like the initial impression vibe, just so that people know what they're in for. Because, like, you know, if you're on a train and you're on your way to... No one's on a train at the minute. God, poor bastards. But if you're normally on your way to work and you're thinking, all right, I'll listen to the podcast on the way to work or on the way to wherever you're going, it's quite nice if we're like, oh, I'm so excited. It was such a good game. I'm really excited. Then they know, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be all fired up. Whereas if it's a game like Death Stranding, where I'm like, this is a pile of shit, then they might be like, oh, do you know what? I'll listen back to this later because I don't want to don't kill my vibe. Don't want to spoil the game, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You want to make your own opinions and then listen to the opinions of others. Yeah, exactly. As a fat man in a cinema once told me, never rely on the opinions of others. 
make your own. <laughs> Why does the fact he's fat have any relevance? Well, I'm just saying, I'm just being descriptive. He was a fat man and we were in a cinema. <laughs> Why were you talking to him in the cinema? I don't understand. Yeah, it was very strange, actually. Thanks for asking. We were basically watching a film. This is when I was about 15 or 16. Sat watching a film with some mates. We were chatting about reviews we'd read. Mm. And this guy just leaned in from behind. Bearing in mind, we were kids at the time, so kind of a bit weird, I guess. Inappropriate. And he just leaned in and said, if you want my opinion, should never base your decisions on the opinions of others. You should make your own opinion. Wow. Wise. Yeah. That's what I thought as well. And I've remembered that moment through into my 30s. So he made quite an impact, that anonymous benefactor. Very nice. Whatever life holds in store for me, I will never forget these words. With great power comes great responsibility. So, uh, kids, if you're listening to this, pay attention to your elders in cinemas. And elders, if you're listening to this, never be afraid to talk to kids in a cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Not actually sure if that is the message we want to be giving out, but there it is. And also, I realised as I was saying it, I'm undermining our entire raison d'etre in this podcast. Like, you know, ignore the opinions of others, make your own opinions. (laughs) What are you listening to this for? Uh, no. Anyway, it's all fun and games. Speaking of games, Monster Train. So yeah, my reaction to it is... What do you think my reaction is going to be to it, actually, Tay? I think you think it's a bloody waste of time. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) Not quite. I mean, you're not far off. It's a frivolous bit of time-killing entertainment. Mm. I enjoyed myself while I did it. And after the first few hours of doing it, I was like, why am I doing this? What's the goal? Where am I heading with this? Mm. Is this time well spent? Yeah. I'm wary because we talked about the point of chess on the last pod, I think. And we talked about the sort of societal value of chess. But what games like this remind me of... Were you making eyes at me? (laughs) I have no recollection of that discussion. Really? No, yeah, we talked about... Right, well, if we didn't mention this, then this is the point. Who else are you sharing a podcast with? The point is that everyone knows what chess is, and anywhere in the world you can find someone to play chess with, so it gives it a kind of a value, which other games do not have. Gotcha. But the feeling of playing chess, and I know that you've had this as much as me, is when you get into it, and you just go online and like play game after game after game, the same sort of gentle calculation that you get from a game of chess, I think you also get from card games like this. Mm. And yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's pointless. But for me, it's like crack. <laughs> Not that I've ever tried real crack, but honestly, I find it so addictive. And I would happily spend an hour on this game. If I had all things being equal and I had all the time to spend on anything in the world, I would very, very happily spend an hour or two on this game every day of my life. Wow, that is high praise. Okay, then. Until I got bored of it, which, you know, might happen. And sometimes it happens with chess, but other times it's like, just give it to me every day. (laughs) I can't wait. One day, Teo, in the not-too-distant future, I'm going to make a compilation of all the hilarious things that you've said on this pod and give it to me every day is going to be in there. (laughs) Just give it to me every day. Do I say that a lot? Is that like one of my phrases? Uh, Not that specific one, but you've got some others as well that entertain me every time I come to the edit. (laughs) So, oh yeah, I mean, I'll tell people what it's about. Monster Train is a roguelike card game. If you've ever played Slay the Spire, you'll be in very, very familiar territory. 
Although, whereas in Slay the Spire you have one character and then use little cards with attack and defense stats on, plus health stats, whatever, one character in Slay the Spire, in Monster Train you have multiple units which you lay out onto the board and the board in this case, because it is very board game-like, is a train with three levels. On each of those levels you can put your own units, enemy units appear and then you use the cards to attack them and to heal your own units. Sort of in the vein of Magic the Gathering, which I've never played, but I know it is like Magic the Gathering. Or the computer game equivalent of that, which is Hearthstone, which nearly everybody knows. So you got health, you got armor, you got attack play the cards, you crunch the numbers, and then if you play your cards in the most efficient way possible, you'll win. That's the game, really. There's not much more to say than that. Oh, well, we're done then. See you later. That was easy. (laughs) There's obviously, like, many, many different permutations that you get with the cards and the different decks and characters that you can use. But yeah, like, the essential game loop is that. Yeah. It'll be familiar to most people, I'd say. Like, Ben, like, full disclosure, I've been wanting to do Monster Train for ages. Ben's been a little bit hesitant, kind of like, are these really that popular? Are these really that popular? Then I eventually convinced him that they were. So I'm hoping that most people... I wasn't pushing... Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Correcting my standing here. I don't want my reputation tarnished, libeled by you. (laughs) I was not concerned about whether the game was popular or not. I'm never concerned about popularity that I want on the record. It was more that I just think, is it offering anything new? Is it any different to the, like, hundreds of others? And, I mean, in fairness, yeah, you could probably say that about other games in other genres as well. So, I think the subtext to my concerns was that I didn't particularly want to play it. It's not a genre I'm particularly familiar with, Mm. nor a big fan of in general. So, it's true to say that I was definitely a little bit more hesitant about jumping on the monster train. Fair, fair. But now I've been on the train and we're on the train, it's important that I do say that actually this is a genre I'm not very familiar with at all because of all the podcasts we've done, I'd say this is one I feel probably most out of my depth in. And I think that's why uh, in our little script at the beginning, I mean, in our little intro at the beginning. Unscripted. Don't let people know those are scripted. (laughs) Yeah. Spontaneous, entirely spontaneous intros. There was the little noob reference, because I do feel like a bit of a noob in this. Interesting. But you have played... Well, have you played any board games that are like this? That have this sort of units with health and attack, and then essentially you're just doing addition? Mate, we must have. The volume of board games we've played over the years, I'm sure we have. I mean, I've played a lot of Hearthstone. I did love Hearthstone, and I got really into that for a while. Mm. But, like, years and years ago, when I was at uni, I haven't played anything similar to it really recently. I haven't played Magic the Gathering. I haven't played Slay the Spire. I know there are tens of other, like, deck-building games in this sort of vein, and I don't think I've really played any of them. In part, because it seems like a new one's coming out every couple of months, really. So, like, there's always some hype about a new game or some new Kickstarter about a new deck builder. And that's, if I was going to push back on your chess thing, it's that when I'm spending time on chess, I know there's a legacy there. Like, like that's been played for thousands of years and it'll be played for thousands of years more. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Whereas this will probably be out of fashion like next year or something. You're right. Like, it's definitely a crowded market. So roguelike card games kind of have become the new mobber. Uh, what does that stand for? Mobile Online Battle Arena, like uh, Dota and League of Legends. 
in that people saw the success of... Did you say mobile online battle arena? Is it not multiplayer online battle arena? What did I say? I thought you said mobile online. Oh, I battle meant to arena. say massive. God, I'm going to look like a noob now. We're both looking like No, it's, it's not massive. Multiplayer, surely. Multiplayer online battle arena. Nobody knows what MOBA stands for. They just say MOBA. <laughs> I shouldn't have even tried to say the acronym. <laughs> I should have just assumed that everyone knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, ironically, having said that I was the noob in this episode, I think it is multiplayer online battle arena. So. Okay, but like Hearthstone is the massive one. And like, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying Blizzard made more money from Hearthstone now than World of Warcraft. So it's like everyone saw this. What? Really? I, I could be wrong. I don't, I should fact check shit like that, shouldn't I? Fact check it yourself. Don't believe what I say. But, um... <laughs> We're just gradually eroding any value that this podcast has. I read it somewhere. My memory is quite good. So when I, when, I, when I read things, I do tend to sort of absorb them, but not remember where I've seen them. But yeah, like, it is an interesting parallel because obviously when World of Warcraft came out, that was massively popular and so many different video games companies tried to copy that format, get one as big as World of Warcraft to cash in on this genre, which was really popular. For most of them, didn't work out. Like, there are a couple of minor successes, but no one reached the heights of World of Warcraft. And the same is kind of true of Hearthstone, mm. that when Hearthstone came out and everyone saw how much money this was making Blizzard, they also tried to step on the train. Well, you can tell that, because the aesthetic of a game like this is actually similar to Hearthstone. Oh, yeah. So, like, the playing mechanics are subtly different in a lot of ways, but the actual look and feel is really similar, like the little gems that are stuck in the cards, the way the animations play out, the Pyrestone room. So there's a Pyrestone which has 20... Mm. Actually, I don't know what the health is, but in Hearthstone, it's something like 25, isn't it, originally, when you start? Yeah. In this, it's it's much higher. But again, it's something that can take a certain amount of damage and then breaks or explodes, and then the game is over. Yeah, kind of yeah. Thing. And that's that's the same as Hearthstone as well, isn't it? So there, there are definitely a lot of visual similarities. Mm. I should have made it clearer that instead of playing as a character, you're really playing as the train, and it's your train's health that you're trying to defend against, against these like waves of enemies. Mm. Like you say, like it's a crowded market. A lot of people have tried to do it. Valve famously, I can't even... Artifact, I think their card game was called, flopped hard. Like they did this whole reveal at the International or International, whatever they call that Dota tournament. And everyone was like, bloody hell you're not bringing out a card game are you you fucking idiots kind of thing. And then sure enough, it was crap. I mean, some people reviewed it well, but mostly it was kind of just flopped was it crap or did it just not meet the appetite of the market at the time yeah i think probably that but also for me my personal tastes in these games like i want a single player one of these like i enjoy the game but i don't enjoy playing against other people online who have spent 10 times as much time of me like grinding the right cards and figuring out what the right decks are and all that side of thing yeah i've got to say i enjoyed that element of it as well uh, i like the fact that i'm not at a disadvantage because i haven't already put in 200 hours mm. and also the fact that because it's quite a new game i think it came out in last year i think yeah may 2020 i would uh-huh. say and actually i think some dlc's just about to come out in it march 25th called the last divinity um because it's new it means it hasn't already had loads of updates to the deck and loads of patches to redress stuff you know when you get in one of these games like this players who play them a lot know the cards so well and the percentage and the odds of them coming up they're so familiar with them and then because the game companies want to 
prolong the longevity of the game. They keep releasing patches or new cards for the decks and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And if you're a new player, it's just so hard to stay on top of that. And when you're playing other people online, the odds are they are on top of it and they're going to just crush you and you get punished for your negligence, as it were, or ignorance. Yeah. And to be fair to Hearthstone, like they have been making single player campaign stories with each of their expansions. And I think that's quite a big part of it now, sort of separate to the multiplayer. But yeah, but it's the same, like the barrier to entry to play so many games online is very high. Like it's high with like competitive Age of Empires 2. Mm-hmm. It was the same with like Netrunner. Battle Royales as well, man. Battle Royales, like, yeah. Yeah, these days, I just think just trying to get into one of those is actually tricky, which is one of the reasons we haven't covered them on the pod yet, but we are planning to at some stage in the distant future. Yeah, maybe when we can support each other in person in the same room. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Some legends fight for fortune, others answers. But we shall all be forged in the glorious realm. Mirage, quiet. Path, are we clear? This is my favorite part. Exciting. So I like the fact that this is single player and it just focuses on the game. And how did you find it? Like, it's easy to learn and game loop is satisfying. Oh, yeah, big time. Like, when I first played through, because I didn't know that there's... So there's basically eight rings of hell that your train is passing through. Mm. And at the end of each ring, you fight a battle, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think there are three bosses, three major bosses, but each battle ends in, like, a slight boss sort of thing. And yeah, I didn't realise that it was only eight. I didn't really know much about the game at all. So when I first played through, I was like, shit, finished it already. <laughs> I don't think I won. I completed it on my first run through, actually. I think I completed it on my second run through. And I was like, wow, that was way easier than I thought. And then your covenant rank goes up. So basically the game tries to make it more playable, I guess, and increase the challenge as you grow familiar with the game by giving you a covenant rank from one to 25. And each of these ranks introduces a new layer of difficulty. I can't remember what the first one is. It might just be, I think it's random cards get added to your deck. Mm, it is that, yeah. The second rank is something like you get some dead weight cards, which don't do anything. They just kind of pad out your deck. The third one is more enemies. And I assume it goes on in much the same vein, the whole way up the 25 ranks. Although, <laughs> cards on the table, as they say. I didn't get past Covenant rank three, much to Teo's entertainment. <laughs> How much did you play, though? Were you struggling at that stage, or was it just like, I feel like I've got what I need from this game? Yeah, I think it was a bit of that. I'd played it enough that I'd I'd enjoyed it, for sure. Like, I don't want to suggest that I didn't enjoy playing it, because I did. Mm. But I also just thought, there isn't really an end to this kind of game, which I'm wary of. So you kind of create your own objectives. And mine originally was to just unlock all of the clan types. When you start the game, they're not all unlocked. So I kind of thought... Yeah, I'll level up with each, gradually unlock the next one. When I've unlocked them all and had the chance to play all of them, then I'll have kind of got to that point of completion of, like, I've experienced what this game can offer, Mm. which is what I did. And each of the clans has two different champions as well. So I think I managed to... I'm not totally sure, but I think I unlocked both of those as well. And then at that point, I messaged Taylor, like, if you want to record this, let's record it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, in some ways, you have seen all the game has to offer fairly quickly, especially once you unlock all of the clans. So there's these five clans from Hell. And the story is that Heaven have frozen over Hell and banished all the demons. And you're on this train, like, trying to relight Hell, which is right at the end. Yeah, it's nice that it subverts what side you're on, you know? Yeah, agreed. You're on the side of evil, as it were. Agreed. But yeah, as you say, you've seen a lot of what the game has to offer and then it's just variations on that and it becoming more difficult with these handicaps, essentially, which are put on you. I got to Covenant rank 8, 
and I was still really enjoying it and I think left to my own devices I would want to get all the way up to 25 just because I enjoyed it so much that I would want that little achievement at this point I just want to stress that Taya is not a slave he's not in any kind of dungeon he is very much <laughs> left to his own devices he does this of his own free will and accord <laughs> yeah. yeah it's worth pointing out every now and again <laughs> but yeah like we don't have unlimited time to play all the games so that's true were you progressing with the covenant ranks or were you just like going to be honest, the- up to the first three it took me that long to realize that they were being unlocked and it was getting harder i was just yeah, not really yeah. with it i don't think it wasn't really switched on in terms of realizing that that's what was happening and then i thought oh well hang on i'm more interested in at least unlocking all of the different clans so i won't keep trying to push for harder covenant ranks every time because otherwise i'm just going to make it harder for me to actually unlock the others and maybe i'll enjoy playing those more or whatever i wanted to see what the game had to offer Mm. so then i went back to covenant rank one just to give myself a bit of challenge but also unlock the other clans essentially Mm. and then once i'd done that i went back up to three but by then i was kind of my heart wasn't in it anymore (laughs) yeah nice it's interesting because i didn't even really think about unlocking cards as an objective like for me it was all about seeing how hard i could push myself and I don't know, like it would take a long time. I have a friend that's got to Covenant rank, or we both do, who's got to Covenant rank 25. And I think it's taken him about 100 hours to get there. So it is just like a serious time commitment if you want to go all the way. Yeah, for sure. I think it took me about 15 hours to get to eight. So it's not it's not like a insignificant time investment, but not loads either. No, exactly. And you would imagine that time would get maybe not exponentially but certainly like harder and harder and more time consuming at each rank mm. and there are 25 so if it took you what did you say eight hours to get to rank eight 15, no, 15, 15 hours, hours yeah. to get to rank eight yeah to get to rank 25 is going to be a good time investment yeah i would imagine yeah definitely and there's a little bit of luck involved although i will say that this feels a lot easier certainly at the ranks i was at than slay the spire which is nails like slay the spire i put 50 hours in i maybe only finish the game like six or seven times Mm. i freely admit that i don't think i was actually very good at slay the spire but this is a lot easier and also a lot quicker like you said there was only those eight levels which you go through so you could bash through a run in like 45 minutes i mean eventually to 45 minutes because i i was clocking the time when i first started on my first attempt i got to the sixth battle on my second playthrough completing the whole you know completing all eight took me an hour and 40 mm. that was on my second run through because that's obviously you're you're still learning you're reading every detail of the card mm. you're over contemplating every single move kind of thing and at that point i was like shit this is actually quite a time-consuming game if every run takes an hour and a half but as you say once you do become much more familiar with it i got that down to about an hour but i never got it less than an hour i don't think do you put the speed up presumably oh yeah i was playing on yeah, ultra yeah. that's a good point yeah so you can change the animation speed so they're not just like <laughs> at the end of every single round i don't know who's playing on super slow who is playing on super slow like there are a few times where maybe some of the mechanics i thought were a little bit confusing so it like layers on these mechanics like initially you just get sort of rage which ups your unit's attack and regen which heals them after each attack but then you end up getting like loads of things like frostbite stacks spell weakness that like makes units more vulnerable to your spell cards spikes spikes yeah which obviously damage when someone hits you but these are all quite straightforward ones i would Mm. say it gets more confusing when you get burnout and stuff so like the melting remnant clan which is the final one you unlock that all the characters look kind of like melting candles and 
they often have quite good stats, but they will just die after like two or three turns. They'll just burn out. You must forgive first impressions. I hope you are not too startled. Why would I be startled? I'm talking to a candle. Candelabra, please. So you have to, the cards you get boost their burnout and make them last longer mm. in each round, essentially. Yeah. You always start with a main character from that clan who's kind of like your champion mm. and you sort of choose a skill path for them throughout the run you get three opportunities to upgrade them and one of the ones for the mountain remnant is like burns brightly so they're super super strong and like in both attack and health but they have start with burnout too so then obviously you build a deck around making sure that you're always increasing their burnout so they never die or you acknowledge that they're going to die and then remold them from your discard pile sort of thing it's just an example of like a strategy you might undertake yeah and each of the clans has some element like that so that was the melting remnant but you've also got the umbra who i think i'm right in saying are the ones with morsels morsel units is that right yeah the morsels they're really overpowered i thought so these are like little tiny sort of food tidbits that carry you bonuses and they individually they have like zero attack like one health or something like that five health maybe and at the end of each turn the character at the front of your room eats every other morsel in the room and then like gets the stats that they were carrying and then that unit might have a another power called like gorge and every time it eats them it actually has double their bonus or something like yeah that. exactly and so again it's about comboing them and that kind of stuff do you want to go through stygian guard and awoken as well quickly yeah sure so the um stygian guard are those the health ones I remember. Oh no, Stygian Guard, that's the third one. I think of Stygian Guard as more like the magical one. Like it's really spell based. Everything is about spell weakness. Everything is about yeah, agreed. magic power boosting that. Mm. I don't think there were any particular special units. I can't really remember though. I mean, you've played more than me. <laughs> Hashtag cop out. Yeah, I only played a couple of times as Stygian Guard. I tried to like play each clan an even number of times. So it, it tells you quite obviously like what combinations you've used. Not all the cards are available on every run. You choose a primary clan, which you get the champion for, and then an allied clan whose cards are available for you to sort of draft throughout. So between these five combinations, I guess, quick bit of maths, 25 different combinations of like cards. Oh, he's impressive, isn't he? Isn't he <laughs> impressive? I'm so lucky to share a podcast with him. An intellect, a polymath of Teo's calibre. God, my maths is so bad. My boy's wicked smart. I actually did a little bit of like maths lesson with friend of the pod, Noah, a few months ago because I was struggling so much with some programming I was doing. That's Dr. Waterfield Price to everyone Yeah. Else. Oh man, God, I wish I'd paid attention in school. Anyway, so yeah, um, Stiggy and Guard, you're right. I think of the magic-y ones. Um, you do the next one then. I'll do the last one. Well, so Awoken, I think, is kind of the druidic clan, isn't it? They've got spikes and roots. So roots will hold units in place on their room. Rather, So at the end of each turn, normally a unit, an attacking unit, will fight your floor of the train. And then at the end of that turn will go to the next floor of the train and then the next one and then to your pie room mm. whereas with rooted you hold them in place and you get an extra attack at them on that floor which can be beneficial obviously and spikes will um will punish an attacker by returning a certain amount of damage to the attacker the roots can be extremely useful because one of the most annoying things that happen in the game is that you might have 
one floor absolutely locked down, but suddenly a super strong unit appears in front of, because we should say like, usually you're only attacking the front unit in a row, a little bit like uh, Darkest Dungeon, mm. if anyone's played that. Dispatch this thug in brutal fashion that all may hear of your arrival. Yeah, so often there'll be like a tank unit with heavy health, heavy armor at the front, and the ones at the back are a lot weaker but deliver a lot more damage. Mm. Kind of standard RPG style. Yeah, and you might have a really good row of units, but you don't manage to take out the tank at the front, and so they continue up the train, and the little ones behind, which are doing a bit more damage, will like creep up. So rooting just essentially means that you lock them down in place. Slightly overpowered, I thought. Yeah, one type of unit that can help you with that has a move called Sweep, which mm. will attack every unit on the floor, not just the front one. When you get a Sweep unit, it's like, oh, yes, I'm going to pimp this bad boy fully to make sure he's punishing every single one of the enemies, not just the front guy. Yeah, between each of the battles, you choose a left or a right path to go to the next battle. And uh, depending on which path you choose, you might have a certain number of upgrades kind of upgrade rooms which you can choose so you might duplicate a card remove a card from a deck to make it more efficient in deck building style yeah this plays like it's beneficial to the user sorry to the player hmm. and in some ways it obviously is because you might get an artifact for instance that increases your pyre stone health by 10 or its defense by 20 uh -huh. or that gives you more ember so units cost ember and it might give you more ember at the beginning of each turn or something like that so it seems very beneficial but at the same time these are the moments where the game introduces randomness to your playthrough and you can be constructing a really careful deck and you can be quite happy with the way you've shaped it up but depending on what the game offers you in those little windows of of upgrades you can get fucked as well like you can be playing being like oh yeah and then i'm gonna get the duplicate card and then it just doesn't come. Or you're thinking, oh yeah, and then I'll get the one that boosts my armor because I've chosen all units who are focused on armor and then you never get an armor perk. Hmm. And I think that randomness can be extremely frustrating as well. Yeah, definitely. Some things you can rely on. Like you will definitely get a duplicate card and you will definitely be able to remove stuff from your deck. But there's also these... At some stage. At some stage. Yeah, but yeah. not necessarily early in the game. That might be in one of the later rings. Mm. Yeah, true, true. And then the most random little encounters are sort of... Melting caverns. Yeah, like special little spots which your train rolls past. And there's quite a sweet little animation of like a chug, 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 chug of the train and then like the side door opens and then it pans to the thing that you're riding past. And then you get a choice of like a little bit of story and... Uh, a choice of a few things which add things to your deck. They do the same thing in Slay the Spire. I never read that story. It was just like, click, 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 skip it, skip it, skip it. What are my options? <laughs> Focused on the mechanics. Yeah, I mean, I was sort of taking the piss comparing your train on the way back to hell to Trotsky in the Urals defeating, like, the White Army. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, clearly, they're not going for that comparison, but it just felt a little bit similar. Yeah. For me, it was more when I first read it, because I'm not as cultured as Teo. I didn't get the Dr. Zhivago reference, hence that commentary. And instead, I thought maybe it was more related to Metro, Metro Exodus, and that kind of side of thing. Artyom, that should be enough, huh? And, you know, I guess these are just train-related games, or like Snowpiercer being a train-related film. Like, those are the comparisons that jump to mind. But in reality... 
this could be set anywhere with any kind of mechanic. Like it could be more like Ghost Runner and be a tower and you're working your way to the top floor. Like it really doesn't matter. It's just a skin, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. And I've got to say, actually, I did miss the route planning element of Slay the Spire. So you haven't played Slay the Spire, have you? No, I haven't. No. So in Slay the Spire, there's three levels and on each level, there'll be a kind of like cobweb almost or like network of routes which you can take to the top. And depending on which route you take, you have a certain number of encounters or a certain number of treasure rooms and it's randomized every time. So plotting your route, like the best way to the top on each level is, is really satisfying. And you don't get that with this because you only get a choice of left or right. Apart from that, it's just like straight down the line, your eight encounters. Done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For me, the routing element of like between each battle, what you do, it looks like a route on the page, but it may as well just say... Which of these bonuses do you want? <laughs> yeah, artwork in games like this always remind me of Seven Wonders, the card game Seven Wonders, because they have actually put so much effort into the artwork and theme of that game, but nobody looks at the pictures on the cards in Seven Wonders. <laughs> like, maybe they look at their main wonder, but the actual pictures on the cards, pff, you don't care. You just look at the symbols and choose according to the symbols. And do the math, yeah. Yeah, and do the math. And it's the same in this. Yeah, it's like a sexy Sudoku. Sexy Sudoku. It's, it's yeah. So you feel you feel sorry for the um, the artist because each of these rings of hair is actually kind of pretty, but yeah, you never notice them. You will be able to help me out here because this is a deck builder, right? Mm. As opposed to a collectible card game or whatever. Yeah. And is the difference there that with this you build a deck, but then the deck gets reset every time? Whereas with the collectible one, you're accruing. And you're kind of carrying them over, more like in Hearthstone. Oh, I've unlocked a legendary, brilliant. Next time my deck's going to be better. Okay, cool. Because I, so Teo's nodding, hence the okay, cool. Because um, <laughs> I realised that. And when I first played through and I managed to unlock some like purple cards and stuff. And I absolutely pimped it with my duplicating cards. I was so psyched when I got to the end. I was like, I can't wait for the next run through. I'm going to be able to play all those great cards. And then... Obviously, I had a totally reset deck. And immediately, I was like, what? what? Why do I even bother? That's so annoying. <laughs> Wait a minute. This isn't my world. Disappointed! Yeah, can't even use your new toys. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a hybrid, this one. Same as Slender the Spire in that in roguelike fashion, you unlock permanent not in roguelike fashion but what was the game we played recently hades mm. where on each playthrough you'd get upgrades for your weapons which persist permanently it's kind of like that but your upgrades are extra cards that you could find on the run which you couldn't find before so it increases your opportunity in the run but not what you start with yeah and in fact if you go up the covenant ranks the opposite is true it makes it harder what you start with every time yeah and I would say, I mean, maybe there's some mathematicians actually work this out, but I wouldn't say it's obvious that the cards that you unlock once you get to 20,000 experience of playing with a clan or something are vastly better. It's more just like, oh, maybe if I'm playing with a build and that card comes up, yeah, that might be quite useful. But no more so, really, than a lot of the cards you start with. Yeah, I mean, balancing, it's a good point. Like, balancing a game like this must be an absolute nightmare. Because it does feel fairly well balanced. Although I would say that when I was winning, I felt like I just trampled over everyone. Yeah. And when I was losing, I was like, I know this one's lost. 100%. But that makes me think that it doesn't feel well balanced. Because it's like when you're playing, 
it's not like every time it's quite close. It's mm. like you sort of know within the first three or four battles whether you're going to make it to the end. And if you're not, if you're struggling at that level, because the difficulty of the bosses goes right through the roof, not necessarily in the waves of enemies that attack you, but just in their power, like the amount of health that they have, their strength. You could wipe out every single one of the enemies, but if you don't deal enough damage to the main boss, they're still going to get to your pirate room. Yeah. The final wave of every battle, the boss is relentless, which is just to say that it attacks again and again and again and again until it dies, mm. basically. Hence, if you don't deal it enough damage, it is going to get you in the end, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, whereas ordinarily, they'll go up to the top of your room and kill your part. Well, yeah, they'll, they'll advance one room at a time, whereas the boss stays until everything's dead on each floor. So I don't think the balance necessarily is that well done. But having mm. said that, it's still quite a recent game. There's time from to iron that out. And, you know, someone like me loves feeling like I'm trouncing the bosses. So when I was getting a good run, I was like, this is sweet. Like, one of the bonuses you get in Melting Caverns, as it will say, you can either duplicate one card or duplicate a card five times. Mm. And sometimes I had already upgraded a unit card that was sick. Like, maybe it only took up one space in the room. It had, like, a crazy level of multi-attack or sweep or something like that. And just a ton of health and attack. And when you can duplicate that five times and put it in your deck, you're going to be on a sweet run, basically. Yeah. And I said earlier that there's a little bit of luck involved. There kind of is. On the other hand, I think if you are good at this game, you would probably be able to make every run work for you because there's enough opportunity. But you would have to spot the strategy you need pretty early on. Like, sometimes the strategy is obvious. It's clear from your starting cards and the cards you've been given kind of what you're going to double down on. Other times, it's not clear how you can make them work, so... I think it comes from the artefact. So you get an artefact fairly frequently. I think, like, mm. between every couple of battles, you'll get another artefact. And you always start with one. The same time you choose your champion, you also choose an artefact. Yeah. And I think the artefact is what determines what your battle approach is going to be, what your tactics are going to be. Because like, if your artifact is going to give you a boost to Frostbite, for instance, mm. then you're obviously going to choose cards that have a lot of Frostbite, you know, or deal a lot of Frostbite. Yeah, like, why wouldn't you? And it's fun experimenting with different strategies as well. So there were certain ones which I, like, found to work really well. And often, like you say, like, there's the artifact and then your skill, your skill tree um, for your champion, which we mentioned... I usually wouldn't choose the same one that had worked before just because it's like, well, I might as well try this other one and, and see how that pans out for me. What you, what you link to the... <laughs> I will try again. What, what you want? What you link to? <laughs> so you linked the game earlier to Hades uh -huh. in a comparison. And you also said with that game that given enough time, you would just keep playing it. You loved it. You didn't get bored of it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So... My question is, if you could either play this game or Hades, which would you play? Because for me, the reason I say that is because while you were talking just then, I was thinking, yeah, this is the kind of game that, you know, if I was traveling somewhere, I needed to kill some time from sat at a station in much the same way as Hades. I'd like play a game like this. You know, I don't want to be jumping into a story and have to readjust my whole frame of mind when I'm just between places, whereas I don't mind killing a few hours and having some fun. But if I was going to do that, I would way rather play Hades than this game. Oh yeah, I much prefer Hades, subjectively for sure. They're different-ish games, but 
Yeah. And like Hades does weave the story and has all the characters in far more convincingly than this, which elevates it. Yeah, but also feels way more engaging. Yeah, it's real time. But this is a bit like the Hades of card games, minus the characters. I think this is a bit like Angry Birds, to be honest. Angry Birds, the card game? Really? Okay, how is it like Angry Birds? Just in the sense that it's sort of frivolous, frothy fun, but it's not got any depth to it, really. Like, it gets harder. You master it over time. It will take time. Mm. It's quite fun while you're playing it. It'll have a length of time that it has a fan base, but it'll also die out probably within a year or two, much the same way as all these games do, other than Hearthstone, fair play. Yeah, I don't know. In that way, it's quite a transient game, maybe. Yeah, I don't know much about the streaming scene for Slay the Spire, but I do know that Slay the Spire is still really popular now. Maybe not as popular as when it came out, but there is a shelf, definitely a shelf life for me on these sorts of things. And it would usually max out around like 50 or 60 hours. Yeah. To be clear, I don't think all games ought to be playable for eternity. Yeah, yeah, like, that isn't my position. But it's that in a game, normally with a narrative, you have a natural end to it. There's a natural sense of closure. And so in a game that doesn't offer you that, that's the kind of game that is presumably after longevity. That's why I'm raising it, just for anyone thinking like, fucking hell, I don't still play games from my Xbox. Like, why do I have to play every game so much? Like, that's not my point. Yeah, and you're right, because I guess... There's doesn't feel like there's a lot of mystery in this game. Slay the Spire, there feels like there's a lot more mystery. Even though there are lots of cards to unlock, when I got a new card, I didn't think, whoa, this changes everything. I just thought, oh, well, it might be interesting to use that. Like, it was a lot more gentle. And the calculation that you're making in order to succeed in it, again, is super, super gentle. Not like Hades, which is exhilarating and unbelievably frustrating at times but still makes you keep coming back for more yeah i never felt that frustrated like sometimes like occasionally i had a few runs where i'd get all the way to the end of the last boss and i'd be smashing it all the way there and then on the last boss i'd realize that actually i didn't have the tools i needed to defeat them and then i'd be like yeah damn (laughs) but then you just start another one but i think hades has a few more ingredients as well Mm. though like it's got more animation it's got the characters have character (laughs) they have a sense of humor so in this like when you play a card you sometimes get a little speech bubble appears above the character's head but it's really easy to overlook or ignore yeah off the top of my head i can't remember a single phrase that any of those utter they certainly don't draw you in or act like characters they are just sort of static things you put down which you know is entirely understandable given that how this is a genre that's developed out of static games board games yeah for sure It's more alive than Hearthstone. And it does have character, like all of the clans do feel quite unique. And they're not really like cliches. Like we said, the Awoken are sort of like the druid ones with their health and their roots and their spikes. But they do look pretty funky. These sort of like plant demons, don't they? Yeah, yeah. The only one that's sort of stereotypical hell is the first one you get. I've forgotten the name of them. Hellhorned. Hellhorned. Even, yeah. I mean, even their name is a cliche. (laughs) Yeah, they're red guys with horns and they look really angry yeah and quite muscly they're classic games like this remind me of a book which i may have mentioned to you before called finite and infinite games by james p cast i don't remember but i think it became a bit of a hit in silicon valley i'm not sure why maybe just because it's this sort of i don't know pop philosophy i guess you could say Mm. but the basic premise is that 
in life, there are two types of games and two types of players. And they are the finite games and the infinite games. And you can either be a finite player or an infinite player as well. And so you either enjoy playing it for the playing. It doesn't matter whether you win, whether you finish it, whether it completes, like that's not relevant Mm. to your playing of the game. In that sense, you're an infinite player. Or if you only really play to get to the end, like you learn to become the master, but then you're not interested anymore, then you're the finite Mm. player, the finite gamer. And I always have that in the back of my mind when I'm playing these kind of games. Not because I think of myself as a finite gamer, although my girlfriend constantly tells me that I am, but just because I do think that I am someone for whom I need a bit of an ending. Mm -hmm. I just need to know when I'm allowed to stop playing, (laughs) you know, when it's okay to put the controller down and be like, do you know what? I've got a finite amount of time and I want to spread it around. And that's not to diss the time that I spend with the game. It's just... I don't know, like you can feel otherwise that you get sucked in and you get carried away and you can be still playing it five years on, like with World of Warcraft or something like that, at which, you know, you have a great time, but where's it going? Like, what, do you know what I mean? I'm always wary about raising that. Like that comes with no judgment at all. I'm just saying I personally am am of the finite gaming sort of mentality, specifically with regards to games, forgetting the metaphor for a second. There are other things in life that I do just for the sake of doing them. Yeah. But gaming is to both play and enjoy and finish so that I can enjoy the next one. Yeah, yeah. No, and and like I said, with the, with the mystery of the game and the excitement of it, because you've seen roughly what it has to offer, the challenge is only in beating it on harder and harder and harder and difficulties. And as long as that is exciting you, it's amazing. And it definitely would would excite me. Uh, but yeah, no, I think you're right. It's nice to know when the end is. Usually for me, it just comes naturally. Like, a day will come. <laughs> what do you mean? That's going in the compilation. It's definitely going in the compilation. What I mean is that I don't need the game to tell me when I'm done. I know when I'm done. And I also know from experience that it won't be forever. I can very, very rarely play a game for more than 50 hours. All these roguelike ones are the same. Maybe it's because i played so many of them that I've got a catalogue, like Faster Than Light, 50 hours. Uh, Darkest Dungeon, that was probably more like 80 hours, but still, I, I think I like played it twice. Or like in two separate times. Yeah, so you're saying you don't fall into a rut. You don't get caught in a trap. You just know when to finish. Yeah, I do finish. And I love them while I'm doing them. Like I get an immense amount of satisfaction of conquering them while they're there. Yeah. And then there could be more, but then I'm, uh, yeah, I'm done with them. Okay, well, uh, definitely. I can get on board with that. I think I'm the same. I just, for me, it's a lot less than that yeah, time yeah. span. <laughs> but I also enjoy it. Like, don't get me wrong. I had a great time with this game but just for not very long before I was like, I'm done now. (laughs) Yeah, I love playing games with stories as well, but when the mechanics are so crunchy and it's such a satisfying puzzle, I can kind of forego the story sometimes, but I wouldn't want to to do that forever. Mm. And the best kinds of games like this weave in the story well, which I I wouldn't, wouldn't say this does at all. And one of the nice things is that whereas normally I would praise a game for its great music, In this instance, the music is 
quite repetitive, quite background, which means you can just listen to your own music while you're playing the game, because the music really doesn't doesn't play any role. weird though because it makes a quite a big deal out of which song is playing at what point as if they're expecting you to love the music but yeah music really not that good so yeah i turned the music off and listened to um children's stories in japanese while i was playing it which meant that i was killing two birds with one stone which made me feel uh, good about myself as well <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I'm done with Monster Train. Ah, it's a short episode, quick and to the point. Nice. On that note, what's next, Teo? Uh, so next, we are going back to the forest. I don't know why I said we're going back to the forest. We've never been to a forest before. No, I think you were going to say something like we're going back to a sort of survival-ish genre of game as we've talked about at length previously. What survival games have we done? We've done Astroneer. Yeah, we've done Astroneer and we always talk about Subnautica. Oh, it's like a yeah. practically a running joke at this point. This is like, well, I don't know too much about it. I, I read a little preview when it first came out in Early Access, but it's out of Early Access now, so we can safely touch it. And it does look like Subnautica in the woods. But anyway, not too many spoilers. We'll leave it for next time. No, yeah. I'm psyched for it, for sure. Yeah, it would be nice. It would be a complete change of pace from Monster Train, for sure. Sweet. Uh-huh. <laughs> you sort of uh, trailed off there. <laughs> are they going to uh, find Milhouse? Are they uh, going to find him and kill him? Oh, well, they'll uh, find him. But uh... <laughs> 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 Oh, what was that? You uh, just kind of trailed off there. Yeah, I guess I did. I guess I did kind of trail off there. <laughs> okay. People get ready. There's a train of coming. You don't need no baggage. Put your knife with a fork and spoon and it looks quite innocuous. Perhaps you want to start. Don't know why I'm going to Welsh. <laughs> Perhaps. Let's do it over. Let's do it over. I, I don't know if I can do a Russian accent. We Romanovs have a legacy to consider. We Put your knife with a fork and, and then it looks quite innocuous. <laughs> my Indian and my Welsh are pretty similar. Put your knife with a fork and a spoon. 